Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast, where we look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of a songwriter. Each week, we make a connection with a music maker, listen to their songs, and hear their stories. From Nashville, Tennessee, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. Actually, blessed to have two hosts today. <laughs> this is a special show. This is our 70th now in the series called uh, Songwriter Connection Podcast. I know we started in, in season one and we had season two, but we decided to just keep it going in season three. And if you count them all up, two and three, to where we are today, this would be the 70th overall episode. We are over 150,000 streams now all across the world and so happy that you chose to tune in and uh, to help make us one of the most popular growing music podcasts on the internet right now. So thank you so much. Let me tell you about what we had in mind. Chad Wilson is my guest. Chad, how are you doing today? Hello. Hello, Dave. How are you, buddy? Oh, man, I'm doing good. It's good to have you here. You know, a few months back, we had you and Caitlin Crooker on the show, and um, it was a wonderful show. And we got to talk about you and, and your accomplishments. And, and Caitlin, who has now signed a record deal. Yeah, she sure has. I love that girl. I'm so happy for her. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't it? it really is. In town for not even a year. And yeah. she, she uh, you know, so she's going to have music coming out that we'll be hearing. And, you know, it's so well deserved. She, and I know you've worked with her a lot uh, and she's so blessed to have found you when she first moved to town but um, her voice is amazing her, her writing is, is great she's got it all and she's at a very young age so she's going to learn a lot but we wish her all the best success and um, yeah isn't it incredible what a story I think the best asset she's got is the family yeah they, you know they're amazing family they, she, they deserve everything they get Caroline and Mike they're wonderful people yeah. yeah so anyway we were talking after that show Chad and I because Chad has an amazing podcast which is called the deconstruction uh, deconstructed sessions i'll get it out yet i'm sorry <laughs> and it's really cool what you do with hit writers too uh you sit down and you deconstruct the songs talk about you yeah, kind of like what we do but like with a tv audience sometimes right well <laughs> tell me about that show <laughs> <laughs> well we yeah I, i'll i'll it's called deconstructed sessions because mm -hmm. I, I like to deconstruct the songs yeah you know, you and I have the same philosophy. It's all about the song. It man. is all about the song. Um, you know, personalities come and go, but man, a song, a good song is a good song. And, right. And I'm, I've been fortunate enough, like like yourself, to to, to know a lot of hit songwriters. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I sit them down and I, and I have them deconstruct one of their songs, you know, tell us more information that, that yeah. we might have never known. The nuts and bolts, right? Under yeah. the hood, right? That's and cool. What, where were they at when it was, when the inspiration hit them and maybe where were they at when they wrote it? and. Mm -hmm. Uh, and who they write it with, and then right. a backstory, if there's a backstory. And, and yeah. you learn so much about a song. You do. You know, how they develop that idea. Mm -hmm. It takes more than just an idea. You know. So my plan today in our crossover session yeah. <laughs> is uh, I'm going to deconstruct the songwriter connection. Cool. Well, very good. I'm honored. Yeah. And, and we're going to deconstruct you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sound good? Play a little music and, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll play some music It'll and we're going to have fun. Well, let's talk about you first. You were a third generation uh, musician. Uh, you came from, um, what, gospel and harmony roots, was it? Yeah. yeah yes, sir. Gospel music. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, grandparents were a, a successful gospel quartet. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I was raised on. So those, those harmonies, you know, those. Oh, love harmonies. Oh, yeah. And then gospel music, you know, so you, you develop emotions and de you develop these feelings. And, uh -huh. you know, some people like to call it the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit or whatever you call oh, it. Yeah. We just, we didn't take off running down the aisles or nothing. But, whoo, if I saw my grandma shed a tear, buddy, I was, I was going to oh. be crying right there with her. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. You know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, was in church all the And then my mom and dad, uh, my dad was a preacher. Mm -hmm. And um, 
of course, my mom was a uh, a little piano prodigy. You know, wow, she's a miracle that she's even alive. It's a miracle that I'm here. Really, you know, my mom wasn't even supposed to make it past a week old. Really, um, how come? And it, uh, she had a defect on her heart. Oh, mm. but every time they set a deadline, she hit it, and she mm. she and, and you know, my grandma says the power of prayer is real. Yeah, and. and they gave her a week and she made it a week and they said okay she won't make it two weeks and uh-huh. she won't make it a month she won't make it three months she won't make it a year wow. and when she was you know 12 years old she was winning all these piano wow they uh, wasn't supposed to be there you know so what a prodigy she's, she, uh, she's been given a little bit more than, than what she does uh, she's been given a pretty, pretty tough life more than what she deserves uh, and she's still with us right she's still with us yeah. mm-hmm. but she is the reason that I am anything good about me is because of my mama Wow. But yeah, her and dad traveled. And of course, as their kids, we traveled too. Churches all over the place. Dad was a preacher and he sang and mom played the piano. So they helped. They were a duo. Mm-hmm. So I was singing in front of church when I was probably four or five years old. Really? When did you first pick up an instrument? I didn't pick up. Well, my mom, uh, she's a piano player. So she, we always had a piano. Mm-hmm. And at least three or four nights of the week, mom would sit down at the piano and play for an hour, sometimes maybe even two hours. Mm-hmm. And I would sit right there beside her and watch watch her play. And then when she got up, I would sit there for another hour trying to mimic what she did. And that's wow. that's how we learn. We learn how to play by ear. So you started on the piano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did you pick up a guitar for the first time? I was 15 years old. 15? Yeah. Wow. I picked up the drums as my second one. Yeah. Uh, wow. My uncle was a drummer for the, for the Johnson Quartet. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got, you know, to be about nine or ten, uh, he had put his drum set in storage and wasn't playing anymore. And, and man, you know, just seeing him behind that drum set to me was, from a kid's perspective. Yeah. Seeing my uncle behind that drum set and the Johnson Quartet playing, that was, the drums made it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was it, you know. Yeah. And uh, so... <clears throat> When when that drum set was and it it probably stayed in storage for a couple of years until one day I just asked my mama if she thought I could ask Uncle Larry if I could get the drum set out and maybe try to learn how to play the drums. So I got to he he, he allowed me mm-hmm. and these oh the the heads on these drum sets are so old yeah. I mean, but I but I didn't know any difference. No matter of fact when I set them up for the first time I had my snare because it was the biggest uh-huh. I had it way over here on the end. <laughs> okay I didn't know how to set a drum set up. Yeah I wouldn't know. How. But my grandpa, he he ventured over there and heard me making some noise. So he came in there and got me set up right. And and I uh, bet it wasn't too joyful of a noise. Was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Bless my mama's heart. Um, but yeah, within a year, I was on the road playing with the Johnson Quartet. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, uh, when did songwriting uh, become a thing with you? Well, I've always, you know, wanted to be a writer. I, I knew I was a writer. I guess from the time I was in third grade. Third grade, we had a was living in Missouri at the time. Mm-hmm. My dad was a associate pastor at Sweet Springs, Sweet Springs Baptist Church, and it was by far the biggest church I'd ever been in. Wow, a huge church! Wow, and he was associate pastor, <clears throat> and we was in school at a small school called West Strand. <clears throat> West Strand, uh, and you know it was a, a small town school, twelve through K, K through twelve, all go to the same, <laughs> and. Uh, I entered a writing competition, a school-wide writing competition in the third grade, and I won it. That's great. Third grade. Yeah. Wow. Talk and, about uh, prodigy. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And 
You so, remember the song? I'm sure you do. Do I now? You remember the song? Well, it wasn't a song that I wrote. Oh, okay. It was a. It was like a. Uh, we had to write on a certain s- couple of different subjects. Oh, okay. But it was a, a open write. You could write how okay. you wanted to, but you just had to create include something. Yeah. And uh, but I, I've always been a fan of just words. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, Me too. Um, mm-hmm. So writing is something I always want to do, but I didn't write my first song until I was about fifteen. Now I've I probably wrote a lot of lines and stuff up until that point but mm-hmm. but it was until i picked up a guitar my grandpa showed me how to play the guitar and it was after that that i wrote my first song wow now you've had a lot of success this summer like over 40 cuts and of course you and your brother with the, the uh, wilson uh duo um big on cmt uh had some chart success and everything so uh you came a long way from that first guitar at 15 <laughs> to oh, where goodness. you are today oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you've always heard you got to write a thousand bad songs before you write a good one. <laughs> a thousand <laughs> bad songs. Oh man, you, is that I, what it is? A thousand now? Well, that's, <clears> that's, <throat> that's, that's what I heard Toby Keith say. I, mean, I, I don't know. Is that right up there with the ten-year town thing? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Write so. a thousand songs in ten years, and <laughs> yeah. maybe you got a chance. But, but you know, I have written some bad ones. Well, we all have. <laughs> but um, my, yeah. the story of the first. The story of my, the first song I wrote, I mean, I do remember it, and I'm, I remember I got a chance, I won a competition, I got a chance to come play the Grand Ole Opry when I was 17. You're kidding me. And 17, you were on the Opry. Mm-hmm. Wow. But it was until I wrote, I'll move on. Uh, and there's a big story behind it. But I wrote it uh, in 2006. So almost eight, 16 years ago, 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. But it was until I wrote that song that I, I, I I knew that that was a good one. You know, you write songs, and I was always scared to play mine out. You know, Debbie Champion, when I first moved mm-hmm. to town, Debbie Champion. Love Debbie. I always wanted to come out and play, but I, I, I only had, I didn't really have nothing good, and I was really embarrassed. But when I got that first song that I knew that I could get behind, I knew my writing had stepped up a little bit. And, you knew you could hang. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. You know, you talk about Debbie Champion. We're, we're going to get her on the phone. We have a episode coming up in a couple of weeks with Mark Allen Barnett. We're going to talk about writers' rounds here in Nashville and what it's all about. And how you, we'll talk about setting up writers' uh, rounds in your own hometown and then what to do and how to perform. But Debbie Champion has been been hosting writers' rounds here in Nashville for thirty some years, and so she knows. And we're going to get her on the phone and talk about it on an upcoming there's podcast. No te- yeah, there's no telling how many hits she has oh, witnessed. Or- or stars, you know, yep. people that started out there. Absolutely. You know, even back in the uh, broken spoke days, you know. So she, she's just she's a champion for everybody. <laughs> it's got a good name, doesn't she? She's got a great name. She really does. So you've got a new project out and a new single. Uh, and I really wanted to play this. You're listening to, by the way, the first ever crossover event, Songwriter Connection uh, Deconstructed Sessions. You'll be able to hear on both of our uh, uh, websites and in, in, in uh, both of our shows, which are distributed everywhere. Uh, so uh, it's kind of cool. It's our first thing. But I want to play your, your new single and talk about it. Uh, okay. Tell us a little bit about it. The devil, he's real, huh? Yeah, the devil is real. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's not a subject I like to talk about a lot, but, you know, divorce. Mm-hmm. It was not long after my divorce, and you know I was having a lot of success with me and my brother having a lot of success, but at the same time I was so it was hard to balance that out, you know, because mm-hmm. here we are, our dreams are sort of coming true, and we're on these radio tours and stuff, but yet at the same time my my, my other half my life is falling apart, you know. Oh man, it had to be hard. Mm-hmm. And Isaac Moore was part of our band, and 
you know, he was he's a phenom. You know, he he was at fourteen and fifteen years old. He was up for male uh, vocalist of the year in bluegrass. Wow, um, crazy! But Great. you know, he's but to be so young. He's seen a lot. He's he's lived a lot, and he's he's seen a couple of his friends commit suicide. Mm. And this song wasn't necessarily written about that. But with all the stuff going on, the devil was real, mm-hmm. and it, he was involved in all of our lives at the time. You know, he was he was pulling on all of us like he does. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wrote a song called the, "The Devil," and it's just a sort of a mantra. You know, man, I'm tired of you, devil. Don't come around here no more. You mm-hmm. know. But the it's funny. It's not. It's funny to me the place that you're in, the state of mind you're in when you write a song. Mm-hmm. And then here we are, maybe three years later. I just cut it, and the song means completely something different. Wow! Change with time, yeah. or you change with time? Well, you know, it's as we were shooting the video for it, as we was recording it, we got to hear people's stories of them telling us what the song meant to them, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and the timing, timing worked out, and being that you know Isaac has witnessed what he has, and same with mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. you know, suicide is is, is and it, the numbers of suicide these days is it's extremely crazy. high. It, it is extremely high. So yeah. what we decided to do is uh, the, the video for from for the song is coming out September the fifth, which is kickoff Suicide Awareness Week. Okay. And we shot the video to cause to bring some attention and some awareness to suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm excited about the video coming out September the fifth. Uh, but the song itself was released a few weeks ago and. And, you know, when you hear the devil, you automatically think, hmm, this boy's crazy. He ain't mm. one of them Hollywood <laughs> blood-sucking kind or nothing like that, you know. But, but once you listen to it, you'll see that it's uh, it's, it's from a – it comes from a place of, you know, just being tired of the devil being mm. involved in everything. You know? Sounds great. And this is this is quite a production I want to play. And by the time this airs uh, or publishes for Songwriter Connection, it's out there. Uh, so look, I want you to look for it on YouTube. It's called The Devil. This is the latest from uh, from Chad Wilson. Anything else you want to say on that? About it? Well, just a <coughs> shout out to Gabe Baker on cello. The Greater Nashville Inspirational Choir was on it. Uh, Eric Torres produced, uh, helped produce it. Caitlin Croker's on it. Is she? And Ruth Ann Conley uh, all, all singing together. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, let's listen to this. Let's listen. It's on Spotify right now. This is the place I'm taking it from. So you'll want to have a copy of this, I'm sure. devil's real and he walks around from place to place from town to town looking for the lonely the broken broken down the devil's real and he walks around devil steals what you love the most all that remains is just a ghost what good's the world if you lose your soul the devil steals what you love the most 
is such a powerful song my goodness chad wilson brand new release just out called the devil uh co-written with your brother uh kyle and isaac moore isaac moore who was in your band uh just a powerful idea and very well done the production on that tell me about that where, where was that where'd you record several different places we started out recording at, at fame studios in muscle shows mm. and uh we are you up, kidding wow mm. ended up doing some of uh, the choir uh, aspects of it was done over at the parlor. Uh-huh. Uh, you might have I know Robin. We're going to get Robin ready on this show yep. one of these days. We did that choir uh-huh. there, and then I we did the, some of the overdubs. The, the Gabe Baker did the cello. Uh, my vocals and Caitlin and Ruth Ann's vocals we done on, at the Couch Studios with Eric Torres. Wow! And you know I I love a cello in 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 music. Ever since uh, Harry Chapin days, I mean it's just. Yeah. What song wouldn't benefit from a little cello? I'm telling you. <laughs> and that one really does. <laughs> yeah. I tell you. And Gabe, Gabe Baker, I don't know if you know him yet, but if you I haven't, don't. you got to uh-huh. get him on your show. He is, I got it, huh? He is a, 
he will set his cello up and he will sing just him and his cello and it's so oh, good it's amazing man. but uh, I need to introduce y'all please do I sure will with that little bug in his ear by the way if you want to hear more about uh, Caitlin Crooker and uh, Chad when they were on uh, previously it was um, season 3 14A was the episode and it's a great episode so we encourage you to go back and listen to that as well. You're listening to a crossover of the Deconstructed Sessions and Songwriter Connection. My guest is Chad Wilson. And your guest is who? Dave. Dave hand. <laughs> you know what? Let me welcome in all my, my audience, too. So all the folks yeah, who listen to the Deconstructed Sessions. And uh, yeah. what I'd like to do, if I could, I, I want to just sort of... You know, let my people know who you are. Uh, what you man. do in town. You do, you do such a great thing. You, the writer shows you put together and... Your voice is, is just custom made, so I want to start back at the beginning. Sure. What? Uh, where are you from? I, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, born in Buffalo, and I always tell people, you know, it's the, Cleveland is the rock and roll capital of the world, or the Hall of Fame is there, right? So how did I get into country music? It was just crazy. It was a yeah. roundabout way. Okay. Um, I started working in radio in college because... First of all, I didn't make the hockey team, and I was all bumming and depressed. And I uh, ran into this DJ who was, 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 was DJing this party and talked to him a little bit. And he said, why don't you come? I've got a radio show. Why don't you come and visit? And I went, really? And uh, I did. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is cool, man. <laughs> next, next thing I know, I'm doing radio, you know, yeah. and just hooked. And um, by 1980, and I know I'm dating myself, you, you know, when you're doing radio, you're not always... You know, you can't always do the format you predict. I mean, I grew up loving rock and roll, but really my first paid gig was jazz. <laughs> it was a jazz, wow. afternoon jazz announcer. And then I was doing adult contemporary in your Youngstown, Ohio. Well, did you have a background in jazz? No. In fact, they, when they approached me, they said, we think you could do our jazz show. I'm like, well, I don't know anything about jazz. <laughs> he goes, oh, man, we're going to teach you. You're going to learn and you're going to love it. And, you know, they were right. Um, it's it, You can pick it up. And uh, by reading the, the jacket covers and stuff, remember back, we had albums back then. So, you know, and get to know who was playing and what combos and stuff. And I just learned to love jazz. I still love jazz today. Um, then I did a little, what they call adult contemporary, I did some rock and roll. Uh, I did a progressive format. And then eventually, um, a friend of mine's father owned a little country station in Cleveland. And they were the first Northeast Ohio station to go country. And it's really an interesting story because this was early 70s, not when I joined them, but when, they, when he started the station, like 1971, there was a lot of people moving up from down south to work in the factories up north. Okay. You know, Bob uh, was Bobby Bear had that song um, that Mel Tillis wrote, 500 Miles, about Detroit City, you know, okay. uh, missing home. Because they would go up and work in the factories. And so Harry's, uh, Wilbur, who was the owner of that station, had this great idea. Let's do country music. I'll bet we can make a, make a go. Wow. A lot of people thought he was crazy, but he made it work. Wow. And about 1980, he hired me to do middays. And I stayed there for eight years eventually did mornings did about every shift I ended up being program director and I was hooked I moved to Cincinnati uh, where I ran a broadcast school and worked for uh, B105 in Cincinnati which is still the, the, the biggest uh, country music station uh, in uh, in Cincinnati and um, just just really um, at the right place at the right time because then country music blew up we're talking the 90s yeah. you know oh. the Garth eras and, and the 90s are just so big again right Chad I mean well, to me, they never went out of style. They never went out of style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Nineties was yeah my yeah. favorite. My favorite. That's I still tend to write that way. You know, yeah. I, 
I guess that's a good thing and bad thing about cycles. You're out of the cycle for so long, but it's going to come back around, I guess. <laughs> it is. It always does, you yeah. know. And they always talk about how, uh, well, it's becoming too pop. They've been saying that forever, you know, 50s, 40s. Uh, it's getting too pop. But I think that's what people do is if they're not into that certain kind, they always go back to when they loved it the most. And so a lot of people are doing that going back to the 90s. For me... <clears throat> I started to discover Roots music, more bluegrass, more blues. Uh, we've got a great station here in town, WMOT, which is called Roots Radio. And uh, it's an Americana blend. And Americana is kind of where I'm at these days. I'm, I'm really loving that. Well, well, well I need education. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first thought, though, was who was it that back in the... 70s and 80s used to go around was it uh, Mandrell which one that took their own record to the radio stations oh uh, Loretta Lynn did Loretta Lynn yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh, that's uh, boy if, it, if we could still do that today that'd be something <laughs> huh? you know when I was working in, in Cincinnati radio uh, it wasn't unusual for the artists to come by all the time because you know right up Nashville right right up 71 so if they're going to wherever they're going on their tour yeah. uh, they're, they're going right up 71 so a lot of them would stop by and I remember uh, Blake Shelton would hang around the station and when you come into town trick pony uh, got to know a lot of the artists just Sweet. just doing that and I mean they worked it I mean they do yeah I've always thought that if I, if I wasn't doing the side of music that I do do that mm-hmm. I am doing yeah that I would hopefully be in radio I love radio oh yeah you know, yeah, I, I, I got too. I got my first radio job. I'll make this quick because I want you, you did radio. Okay, I did, but I, I got fired my very first shift. <laughs> yeah, but they say you you're not in radio unless you get fired well, <laughs> at least once. <laughs> well, I did it wrong. The big radio station where I'm from was out of Montgomery, Montgomery, w- Alabama. WLWI, big radio station. It wow. covered covered the whole state. But, wow. But I got a, a little internship or whatever you call it at the local radio station that probably uh-huh. covered just our little city. You know, uh-huh. and the the day finally came where I was going talking radio live for the first time so i had everybody my mom dad listening at home or wherever they were you know everybody yeah. listening yeah and i was gonna give the weather you're gonna give the weather <laughs> yeah. well i did my two little lines of the weather and i was supposed to see you know you know wtlm i think was the call letters uh-huh. but just because i had ingrained wlwi in my head this my whole life i'm like that's your weather here on wlwi <laughs> Yep, the phone oh. rang immediately. Because <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's a competitor at that point. Yeah, they were done with me. You know, I've, I've done that a few times. <laughs> I, I, I must admit, I've done that a couple of times. Yeah. And well, got away with it. It's a good story, huh? Yeah, it's a great story. Well, now, what, was, you playing, was you playing music through all this? When did you pick up a you guitar? You know, I, 11 years old. Um, okay, so you did play. Yeah. Okay, so you was a writer to then when you when did you write your first song? Oh gosh, well, I was I was really young. You know, even before I played guitar. Oh wow! You know? <laughs> you know, when I grew up, I grew up with the Beatles and the Monkees, right? Okay. So there was a bunch of guys in the neighborhood. None of us could play guitar, but we'd take bad badminton rackets. <laughs> <laughs> and a golf tee and we strum on them and sing all the monkeys and Beatles nice. songs. and we call ourselves the rackets right so we needed to have songs right the racket that's perfect <laughs> the racket perfect so I started writing songs I don't remember any of them they were probably just uh, oh, terrible but so that was for me it was always um, like when we got our first guitars and I'll never forget this my mother and father bought my brother and I it was just my brother and I he was, he was almost three years younger than me and they bought us our first guitars and my brother uh, he had this gift of perfect pitch. He could hear it and play it. You could go to a piano and, and just hit a note, and he'll tell you what that note was. I mean, that's how he was. That's I, crazy. He, he'd be able to tune my guitars. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. tune I, my guitar, Russell. Okay, I, I'm know. many of those people. I know it's it's really a gift. So he picked it up right away, and then, and before we knew it, he's playing stuff like "Gentle on My Mind" and, and showing me how to play it. And then whenever I hear a song on the radio I like, I go, "Russ, how do you play this?" You go, "Oh, it's like this," you know. 
and he just really had a knack for that. But see, I think, and I could be wrong, but my philosophy is I think there's kind of two kinds of musicians. One, like that. You can hear it and play it by ear, mm. right? And then uh, then there's me who can't. <laughs> but one of the things is um, I wasn't so much into uh, figuring out how to play it, a, a song to cover. I was more like, I want new sounds out of this thing. I want to find new, you know, and I come up with a progression. Okay. And I go, what do you think of this, Russ? Oh, you didn't write that. I go, well, yeah, I'm just, you know. And so we would kind of work together, you okay. know. Um, it was it was interesting. So well, I, I've always had a, a, you know, it's always been my interest, you know. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we hear one of yours? And okay. Then when we come back, I want you to I want you to give us a little lesson on the different types of music that. Okay. You know, and what what separates Americana from roots and from folk? You know. Yeah, there should be books written about that. But uh, what what this, have you got for us? This is more in that Americana rain, uh, um, genre, uh, if you will. And <clears throat> this is a song. Um, <laughs> called squirrel train and this is going to be on my new project which is i'm hoping it's out this this fall but we're not going to rush it uh i'm getting final mixes right now and it's going to be an ep three three song uh six songs uh, on it but this is an idea um we were talking with a, a girl i write with a lot her name is pamela hopkins and she's out of um little rock arkansas and she's doing amazing things she travels all over I mean, hawaii guam uh, alaska um she's she's doing a lot with her band and her cd um, Give It a Damn, Don't Go With My Outfit, which is a song I wrote uh, with her, was very fortunate to write with her. Uh, that whole CD has over a million streams now on Spotify, and it's doing really well. So we were talking about attention spans. <laughs> I wanted to write a train song, <laughs> but it's a long train, and I had a short attention span, right? That's, that was the joke anyway. She was, you know, my band is called Squirrel Train. <laughs> what did you say, a long train with a small? Uh, long train, small attention span. Yeah, I got you. Right? So... She goes, my band is Squirrel Train just for that reason. She goes, you like, Squirrel? <laughs> and then Scott Barrier, who is uh, with us, who I'd love to write with. Scott's an, uh, just a brilliant guy. Uh, we go, like, we got to write that. We got to write you a theme song for Squirrel Train, your band. And she said, yes, we do. And the next time we got together, a couple of sessions, and we, and we wrote this. But I kind of took it over. Okay. <laughs> I've been playing it around in the writer's rounds and people singing back. So I just knew I had to record it. So I beat her to recording it. But she plans on recording it too. Here's my version right here. And Ren and Andy Renfrey, who live around the corner, have great studio, Soundcatcher Studios here in Nashville. Uh, they produced this whole thing, and I think they did a tremendous job. Steve Servensic, Stevie C, who is the lead guitar player for Jeffrey Steele's band, uh-huh. he's doing all the uh, lead guitar and uh, banjo and, and uh, mandolin. So this is Squirrel Train. <laughs> well, that's your deconstructed uh, song, Squirrel Train, by was Dave Lanahan, right here. Was that deconstructed enough? That was it, but. <laughs> Wonder if it's ever coming back. Squirrel 
train that's Mr. right Dave Linham, you know i think i first heard that I, I think you played that at 12 keys one night i, I probably did we played a lot the <laughs> night that me and you and caitlin played <laughs> yeah the night we played yeah and i tried to get in there on some backup homeless but I, I but i had a big smile on my face laughing you know <laughs> enjoying it the whole time so i wasn't uh, able to get in there but appreciate that yeah, yeah. everybody kind of sings back train <laughs> yeah. so yeah i love doing that what one. a great song and you consider that americana uh i guess um it's kind of funny um I think a lot of people said to me, "Is Americana like stuff that's too country to be on country radio?" <laughs> right, right, it is. right. Well, it's, and I thought that was folk. You, yeah. Well, you know, um, that's interesting. You say that because Americana does incorporate. I mean, I don't, like if you listen to Roots Radio here in Nashville, which, by the way, you can get on the internet. Uh, they stream. Um, you're going to hear folk. You hear John Prine and stuff. Um, a lot of great folk, folk artists, but you're also going to hear. Blues artists, mm-hmm. you're gonna hear bluegrass. Oh. You're gonna hear um, stuff like that. You know, uh, so, so where did the word folk come from? What does that mean? Oh, you, got, you got me. Hey, folk, y'all come on over here. Come on, folk. Down folk. home, folk, folky kind of music. Yeah, it's, but to me, it, it, that's like story stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And usually, it's very stripped down. You know, guitar and not overproduced. So a, a country song can be a folk song. Oh yeah, okay. I think so because my favorite songs are the story songs. You know, the, the, the fancy, the yeah. Chuck Cannon. What a great story Chuck Cannon is! My oh, goodness, amazing. Love um, him. Yeah. You know, some of the greats are some of the greats are known for you know their commercial songs, but but they also got those story songs that never make it to, mm-hmm. to the charts nothing but they're just as good as anything you've ever heard I'm telling you and in this town you'll hear that you go to a writer's round you may uh, watch a uh, uh, a hit writer maybe even not even with, with, with a great story song and you'll listen and you go how is that not a hit why, why did somebody record that yeah. 
I don't know. What's the answer? I, there's just a lot of great music. Dude. You ever you ever get excited sometimes? Like I, I I've gotten excited so excited about a song I'm hearing live that I'll get up and holler, you know, yeah, Whoa! and then realize that oh shoot, they're still in the middle of the song, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually after they deliver that hook the first time, like, yeah, oh! yeah. There's a guy named Nick, Nick Gibson. I don't know if you know Nick, um, but he played at the 12 Keys one night, and we've written a song together now with Pamela Lack. Um, Nick, uh, Nick played lead, lead for uh, Lauren Elena for years, and he said, well, no, I want to be my own artist, and so he pulled away, and he's been writing a lot. He gets on stage, and he sings this song, and uh, I'll tell you what, it, it, this is this one of those hooks that just blew me away. Uh, and I'm sure I'm going to set this up wrong. He said something. I, I, I kind of knew the devil, but I never, but I've never been to hell. But I've been to her and back. Was the hook? I've been to her and back. back. Yeah. It was one of those lousy relationship songs, and it just yeah cut my chest. Mm. Nick, yes, and that's me. I'm going yeah. <laughs> so you, so, so you, you, you and I share the same philosophy. Yeah. Or the same belief. We are both all about the song. About the song. Yeah. Well, NSAI taught me that. And that was their slogan for years. The National Songwriters Association. And, and we've talked about it on the show a lot. Songwriter Connection Show. Uh, that it's a good place to start if you have an interest in, in songwriting. But that's their slogan. It's all about the song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think this is appropriate for the 70th, 70th episode of the National Connection. I'm glad you joined me. Talking about the song. Yeah. Um, so tell me how long has the podcast? I know it's three seasons, so it's, I guess it's is a year a season. No, okay. <laughs> and I didn't really know what I was doing, Chad. I was uh, I was bored during COVID. A buddy of mine who I used to work with in radio calls me one day and he goes, "Hey man, would you be a guest on my podcast?" I go, "Wait a minute, you got a podcast?" He goes, "Yeah." I said, "That's something that's always been in the back of my mind." Uh, so yeah, I'll do your podcast on one condition. He goes, "What's that?" I said, "You teach me how to do." <laughs> so he pointed me in the right direction Len Igowski his name is uh, Len Harvey when he was on the air and he's got a really cool podcast called Len's Burning Bush which doesn't have anything to do with music but it's it's really cool so I did the show and then I started doing my research and uh, about five six months go by and I was ready purchased some equipment I wanted it to be great sound and fortunately in this dining room where we're recording this right now we get pretty good sound in here uh, so I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And we started, was January of 2021. So, and we did 21 shows first season and I took a break and we did 21 more, 22 more, I think. And then I also did one on, uh, just a brief one talking about me. So I counted that as 42 sessions. And then here we are, uh, 70, it, season, season three, it started to really take off. Uh, we started getting, uh, guests like, um, Jeannie Seeley and John Barry and uh, Kent Blasey, who uh, has been on the show twice, Hall of Fame songwriter, um, and many others, uh, Chuck Jones. And, um, and then I like to sprinkle in some of these young writers and artists that I see around town that I think deserve a little notoriety, like Caitlin Crooker, mm-hmm. you know, and though I invite him on. So I kind of mix it in, you know. What's been your favorite uh, segment? Mm. Is, there, is there one particular one that stands out? Gosh, there's just there's just so many. I tell you, one of my favorite. You know, one of my favorite was uh, Troy Ackerman come over that one day. Now, Troy has uh, been a writer in this town a long time, and you know, I'm really all about country history and stuff mm-hmm. on my radio show that I do, Nashville, Nashville Connection. I always save the last segment for what what happened uh, on this day in country history. So um, Trey was great. He brought over a bottle of. Um, Blanton's bourbon, which I never had before, and it's hard to get. And he said, I want you to try this, and I never had it before. 
and we just sat and talked about country music. And he's a great musician, drummer, guitar. He plays about every instrument. His dad was the drummer on Hee Haw. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he grew up, you know. Around a bunch of greats. And, and knew them all. Yeah. Uh, he, he told me stories like sleeping on the floor in the studio as dad was playing drums on Willie Nelson's track. Willie and his song, Me and Paul. Uh-uh. He was there as they recorded wow. it. Yeah. Chills up the spine. Things like that. So and we just talked about history and the things that it, so many cool stories. If you if you if you want to look at, it, I believe it was season one. Check out the Troy Ackerman. Uh, that's a good podcast. Yeah, well, I'll go back and check it out. Yeah, well, it. you know, I've been I've been told that I got a face for radio. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but I say that to say this: you are doing exactly what you should be. You're you, you are the perfect person to do a you know you got you got that voice that yeah. just it's welcoming and thank you you just ask the right questions so i learn a lot from you when mm-hmm. i you know well you but, do a great job too i love the your deconstructed sessions i watched the one with terry joe box that was, that was very interesting and she's quite the songwriter yeah she'll bring a tear to you man she's something she's written for uh, some big hits and oh yeah uh, one of my favorites was with ashley mcbride that uh, that um, Great American Scandal. I love that song. That's When I first heard that song, that was one of those moments. When they when she first delivers that hook, like Kennedy and Monroe, yes. it was the same thing. It's like, yeah, that's songwriting, mm-hmm. you know? So She was also the same woman. when I, the, the story I was telling a while ago, when I stood up and I jumped up out yeah. of my chair, uh-huh. when they delivered the hook for the first time, and I, yeah. well, it was her, one of her songs uh, that Scott Sean White, one of her writing partners, had recorded called uh, Crazy But True. Wow, man! Yeah, when I first heard it, I heard it live. Was in Montana at a writers retreat, and I think it might have been the first night was there. So we, there, it wasn't a formal get together. We was just all hanging out wow. and passing the guitar around. You know, and here we are. I love those all things. these big writers, Anthony Smith. So I love Anthony Smith too. Yeah, oh. but uh, Terry Joe Box sang this song right. I'm telling you, but I, I want to run around the house a couple of times. That, that was the great, best song I've ever heard at that moment. You know, it's so good. You're right. You and I are so much alike. It's about the song. And when you hear a well-written song like that, you can't help but just like jump up and yes. Yeah. You got to let them know. Yeah. You're yeah. exactly right. Yeah, that's right. We're going to play some more? Yeah. How about you play one live? Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and the story behind it, we got to deconstruct the story. This is the crossover event. It's uh, uh, the deconstructed sessions with Chad Wilson and Dave Linehan. That's me. Uh, and, you know, i, I got to tell you, I never wanted this show to be about me, but since you asked, <laughs> it's kind of cool to do this, although I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm always used to asking the questions. So. Well, I think I think both of our fans are getting a little bit more insight on the yeah. uh, of who, who their host is, because I know you got people that listen to you, you know, on a normal basis, and and uh, so the I hope the hope is that they'll learn a little bit more about you now, and you know have a little bit more better history of understanding the questions you ask your guests and your listeners about you. Mm-hmm. So it is cool. It was a great idea, Chad. Sure is. I'm going to credit you with that idea. Oh, come on now. <laughs> I think now let me ask you this before you get to the song. Is now I'm interviewing you again, right? Okay. So, um, uh, and you know what? Let's before we do this, I'm going to take a break because I I owe Red Circle a break, and I'll be right back. Don't go away. Just a 
Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. You're listening to the Songwriter Connection, connecting with music makers and hearing their songs and stories. Now back to the show with your host, Dave Linehan. Got a feeling this is going to be a long one today, but that's all right, you know. Heck, <laughs> it might take two sessions to get through this one if you're listening at home or in the car or whatever. Here's the question I wanted to ask you, Chad. I know you had all that big success with you and your brother. Um, um, and then you decided you were going to uh, make a solo career. Mm. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. That had to be a hard decision. And was there any animosity, uh, brother, brotherly, siblingly, sibling rivalry or anything around that? Uh, how was that taken? You know, it it is it was tough. It still is tough. I, I, mean, I, I still, you know, I'm still dealing with the repercussions of that. Are you? Even on the, today, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, first and foremost, I love my brother. He's my family, and mm-hmm. we we always agreed a long time ago that family comes before anything. And uh, so, you know, me leaving the band was it was something that I had thought and prayed about for a while, and. Uh, but there, it, it, it was, it was also you know the state of the world that you know, yeah. early two thousand twenty. We we had our last shows was March the fifteenth in Austin, Texas, just before the pandemic, yeah. and we probably had over half a million dollars or or just short of it worth of gigs the rest of the year canceled. You know, just like everybody else. You know, man, devastating. Yeah, I mean, here we are. Finally had momentum. Got these songs. Finally got a you know big song on radio. Had the CMT number one. Yeah, all this momentum and then COVID hits. I mean, it, it's not, you know it just it just took the wind right out of our sails. And of course, the whole industry, yeah. music industry, was devastated. But that was sort of the catalyst. The next thing that happened is is you know we had some issues with our agent. I, I put it this I, I put it this nothing has ever been easy for my brother and I. Not necessarily our fault or nothing, but we never, we never got anything normal. Mm. It's always like you worked your tails off. You yeah, did. yeah. And the biggest thing that happened to us just right off the bat, you know, here we are with all this momentum, and and, and I'm not going to name any names, but we had an agent, you know, that was at a big, big booking agent downtown, mm-hmm. and uh, he had gotten into a, a, a some sort of a legal issue that was going to get resolved, but we had to wait a few months before he could work with us until this legal thing got resolved. Oh, boy. But, but but we had several months of gigs already booked, so it wasn't nothing to wait. You know, we're, we're loyal. Right. Well, you know, that come back to bite us. Uh, we waited, and when he was finally able to work with us at a different agency, the people above him didn't want us to work with them. So not only did we lose the agency that we left from, now oh, we weren't going to be able to work with the one that we thought we was going to be with. Man. So that set us back a whole year. Yeah. And, I mean, just stuff like that, you know, not necessarily stuff that we asked for, we, we caused it just... And then when the COVID hit, you know, um, Kyle had been seeing, you know, his other half for for quite a while, I guess, and, 
uh, she, being from Louisiana, he felt like he needed to move down to Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was it was tough on me because I was here in Nashville. My, my girls had, you know, my two daughters. You have their, two daughters, that's right. And okay. their mom also left the month of March 2020 to move mm-hmm. to Louisville. Mm-hmm. My brother left, and then I was working on my record in the studio, and my producer, when COVID hit, left the same month. So I left, I left, lost my best friend. I lost my brother and I lost my two girls, my whole family basically, in one Dang. month, and it it devastated me. And you know, I wasn't right in my mind for a little while. Uh, I didn't know how to act. Mm. Only thing I needed to do was turn to music. And being that my brother was eight hundred miles away from me, I had to start doing music on my own again. Yeah, you know, and start writing again. And you know, one opportunity led to another, and. Um, you know, I'm, we're having to fight for everything we get because of COVID, and there's not a gig, there's no gigs. You know, we're doing these. I have to do these house concerts with ten people at them. You know, and make a hundred fifty, two hundred bucks just to survive and have something to eat. You know, I mean, nothing of it was easy, but it just got to where, you know, we didn't know what the COVID was going to be doing, and yeah, didn't know when he was going to come back, and we had we had a few other issues, but it was just too much, and uh, I just felt like. It wasn't worth what we had to go through. To, we wasn't getting rewarded for what we had to go through to get it. Yeah. And I just felt like, you know, that since he's down there and I'm up here, I'm going to, maybe it was a little selfish, I don't know, but I felt like I just needed to to start worrying about myself because nobody else was going to worry about me. Mm. And um, so I made the decision uh, probably in in March of 2021, and I made it a, I, I played my last gig, I think it was in April of 2021, and I made the announcement a few weeks after that. And, uh, you know, everything has worked out good. He, he's doing great. You know, is he? He's living the life that he, he loves. You is know? he making music? He's, he's playing music locally down there, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he travels. I, I, I really I hate to say, but, gosh, I'm so busy on roads. I, yeah, hard, you are busy. You're playing everywhere, aren't you? I, he's, he's catching fish, so he's he's doing what he loves. There and you uh Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm doing what I love, and you know, it's just a. I, I got to release my first single in September last year, and and now, you know, here we are almost ten months later, and that song is up for single of the year and video of the year at the JMAs this year. That's fantastic, Je- Josie Music Awards, which are going to be at the Grand Ole Opry House this year, right? Yeah, that's cool. What an honor, huh? It is. Good luck with that. That's in October, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, middle of October, so. Awesome. I wish you the best. How about another song? <clears throat> I think I'm going to play something, a new one. This is one that I, I wrote with uh, Marty Evans, Party Marty. Party Marty. And my buddy Brian uh, called She Used to Love Me Like That. All right. She wore that same red dress first time she kissed me. I know the taste of those lips Mixed with whiskey And the feel of her body Press against me When we danced But I'm just a memory She's getting lost in his eyes The way she used to in mine And now she ain't looking back She used to love me like that He's out there holding her close I bet he don't even know What all we used to have She used to love me like that 
she used to love me like that I'm not the kind of guy out looking for attention But I'd like to think she was just pretending Not to notice me staring when she looked my way But I'm just a memory She's getting lost in his eyes The way she used to in mine And now she ain't looking back She used to love me like that He's out there holding her close I bet he don't even know What all we used to have She used to love me like that There was a time I stood right Where he's standing at She used to love me like that she used to love me like that But I'm just a memory She's getting lost in his eyes The way she used to in mine And now she ain't looking back She used to love me like that He's out there holding her close I bet he don't even know What all we used to have She used to love me like that she used to love me like that Oh, she used to love me like that Wow, <laughs> that's, that's some writing, dude <laughs> Let me tell you Now, would you say it has a little folk uh, Americana in it? Well, you know, and I think a lot of that is um, is in production, too Okay You know what I mean? Okay Um I think it is what you say, what you what you say it is, you know. Um, but you know, Chad, I've said on this show, and I like get on the soapbox when I talk about this. I hate genres, mm. and I hate to put anybody into a box and go, "You're a folk singer." Same way, you know. You you you're blues. You're. I mean, no. I mean, you you're going to adapt, and you're going to grow as an artist, and and you may be different things. I mean, look at artists like Dolly, mm-hmm. Taylor Swift. I mean, I think these are people that have defined their own genres. They made their own, yeah. you know. So I think it's what you want to be. You yeah, know? I think the, the, the <clears throat> hardest question is when somebody, you know, knew you, had never known you or never heard you, what mm-hmm. kind of music you play? Yeah, I hate that question. I do too. I, I, How do you answer it these days? I just say, you know, the good kind. <laughs> kind of what I do too. <laughs> I, I say, mean, I say. Well, hopefully, good music, but you'll be the judge of that, right? You know? I mean, yeah. But I, you know, when I'm asked what kind of what genre am I, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I, I I got so many influences, and you can yeah. hear it. Me you too. Know. Yeah. So, who are some of your early influences? <laughs> well, you know, my first. Uh, I didn't get my first uh, other than gospel music. I yeah. didn't get my first secular yeah. album until I was probably thirteen or fourteen. And yeah. Randy Travis was my Randy very Travis. first one. There you go. Wow. And then it wasn't long after that, though, but I had ACDC. I had mm-hmm. uh, Boys to Men. Yeah. I had Mr. Big. I had Garth Brooks, you know. Garth, yeah. Uh, that very first one he came out with, with the dance on it, and with a, gosh, what a great CD. But um, it's a giant I, musical soup, you know, and and then you gr- kind of grow out of it, huh? Like Guns N' Roses, you know. Yeah. One of my favorite songs is September Rain. You can hear a little hint of that in my new song, The Devil. But uh-huh. you can also hear a little bit of gospel influence in it. You can. You can hear the soul, R&B influence. You can. Yes. So, you can go back and listen to it again, by the way. <laughs> Turn you know, it back. 
and so I don't know when people ask me what kind of genre I am I'm just saying you know I just do what I do and that's that's, I guess all I can tell them and they think I'm hopefully they they don't think I'm being that I'm you know uh, yeah but I don't think so you know yeah um but you're right. That is the hardest question that we get. Oh, you're a musician. What kind of music do you play? <laughs> oh, I play good, try to play good music. Right. <laughs> it's hard. But in that song, the line that just killed me was getting lost in uh, uh, her. She getting lost in her eyes like she used to in mine. Mm-hmm. Lost. You know, I was like, wow, that's powerful, man. Yeah. Uh, great line. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't take credit for that. I no? have to give Party Marty. Party Marty. Marty that was Evans. him, huh? Yeah, I have to uh-huh. give him credit for that. He came up with that one. But uh, <laughs> it was Marty. a fun ride that day. I, I, and I love that song. People love that song. And you just never know about a song. You know, we were talking about this before we started recording today. There's songs that I thought were going to be great. And I was, I, I, yeah. Oh, I feel them. And nobody seems to care for them. And then the songs that I'm like, oh, man, we, we wasted that, that, that right today. And then that turns out to be the one song that everybody wants to hear. It's, you Isn't just something? never know. You just you just never know. I mean, so I'm surely you've experienced that same thing too, right? I wish somebody could explain Achy Breaky Heart to me. <laughs> what? <laughs> you want to go back that far. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, how that become such a big hit? But it did. You Mi- know? Yeah. Millie Vanilli would be mad today. <laughs> they would be mad with all the auto tune and yes. all the lip syncing going on, they, they would could, be. They could actually sing today and, and sound great. <laughs> they could. They absolutely could. That's funny. That's true. <laughs> have you spent a lot of time in the recording studio? No, I haven't. I really haven't. I did make one album uh, Billy Lee uh, produced. Um, and again, I didn't know what anything at all. Billy stepped me through it and coached me. And um, we took a long time. We took our time and, and put it all together. And... Uh, um, it was that was my first uh, my first venture, and then and then uh, other than demos, but I wouldn't sing on my demos. I would hire you know demo singers. Mm-hmm. So I spent some time in the studio getting demos done. But uh, this whole new experience with this new record uh, was really the first time that I really dug in. And well, how about uh, this? Mm. I worked for several different studios. Did you? As a demo singer, as a, there's was, probably a good chance, Dave, that I've probably sang demo on one of your songs. You maybe did, yeah. Wow, I'd go in about either at least two days a week, sometimes three days a week, depending on which studios is ready. Uh-huh. And I, I sometimes sing five, six songs a day, you know. And wow, uh, yeah, that's good money in that. Yeah, yeah. I did real yeah. well. Yeah, um, but I have been for I've been I've been in a lot of studios. I worked with some great engineers on a lot of projects. Yeah. Uh, Dark Horse. I've been in Blackbird, Love Shack, Blackbird, that's Fame. Oh, uh, Fame Studios, even. Oh. Yeah, I've got to work with the with the best of the of studios, and I only got to tour Fame. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's, Which is a great tour. If you ever go to Muscle Shows, you have to go into the Fame. Yeah, and, but you recorded there. That my first my first experience at Fame was was the, the biggest story I probably have in my life. You know, yeah. uh, Rick Hall. Yeah, Rick Hall. So he passed away in what year? Uh, uh, like early two thousands? No, I would say it was like seventeen, eighteen. Oh, okay, yeah. oh, not long ago. Not too long ago. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, then maybe my story might not have that big of an impact, <laughs> but it will. I'm sure it will. But you know, when you're in muscle shows and you're talking to people about muscle shows, Rick Hall is a, a yeah. mon- You know, he's a giant. He's, that's right. Florence, Alabama Music uh, Enterprises yeah. is what Fame stood for, and he—it was his studio and wow. all that great music that came out of there. He was responsible for all that. Yeah, some of the stories of him and Ike Turner. You know. Ike Turner, yeah. But so about 
two or three years ago, right before the COVID hit, I know that, uh, I got a chance to, I was invited down by Philip White and James LeBlanc to come down to Muscle Shows and write. Wow. Because um, wow. we had just did a function. And uh, well, I didn't know, but when I got there, was writing at Fame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wrote at Fame. At Fame in Rick Hall's office. <laughs> and nothing has, nothing has, they didn't move a thing. Yeah, I've heard they've always... It's the same, the same, just like it was. Unbelievable. So I, I guess at the time he had only been passed away about three years, but but I didn't know that. I, I was thinking this whole time that he he was had been gone for a little while. Yeah. So I thought it was something really major. But anyway, we wrote a we wrote a song that day, and uh, gosh, the song is great. Uh, but to write in Rick Hall's office, that was my first experience at Fame, and then to go back here, you know, a year or so later, and record a. Uh, you know, some songs there at Fame. It was an unbelievable experience. I, I just can't imagine. Because I remember going in there and taking the tour. Uh, Rick had, had passed away. He, By the way, I just Googled it. It was January 2nd of 2018. Okay. So he was already gone when we when we toured. But I remember it was one of those feelings, like when I worked at Ryman, walking into Ryman Auditorium, and you feel the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, you know, thinking about all the greatness that uh, that occurred in that room. It was the same feeling when I went into to fame. So many great hit records. The sounds that came out of there. Uh, the Swampers started there, you know, yep. and uh, um, an incredible story. So uh, that's cool that you got to experience that. You know Peter Keys? I don't. So Peter Keys is the piano player for Skinner. Okay. Um, Peter Keys is playing on... The Devil, my, my new song. No kidding. Playing on the piano. That piano was at Fame. The piano on my song was P- Peter Keys playing that same piano that wow. Alicia Keys played. There's a plaque right above it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that piano, that grand piano sitting up there, and I got video of him playing oh my goodness. The Devil. So, it, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty uh, surreal. Uh, uh, that is very surreal. Dang. Now, don't let me get sidetracked off time, dude. Cause no, I'm not worried about time. I just... Okay. <laughs> Are you worried about go, time? I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Are you I, having fun? I want to talk about your future, our future. Okay. Uh, before we get done. So just let me know. Go for it, man. Well, you know, you got some uh, big things going on, but we, you you had said you was going to the Frank Brown for the first time ever. I am. I want to experience it. Now, I wasn't asked to play, but there's open mics down there about every day. Yeah. And uh, I've got good friends that play it every year. And I thought, why not? I'm going to go down and experience it. You know? Well, I hope that I'm able to see you when you're there. I hope so, too. If the dates work out, I'm not, I'm not sure the dates. But, uh, yeah, the Frank Brown is, if I'm not mistaken, it's either the longest running or or maybe it's uh, the biggest as far as, like, uh, riders go. Because I know they have over 120 songwriters. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So, it's over a 10-day period. Now, it used to be 10 consecutive days prior to COVID. But now that COVID's hit, I think it's... I think they split it up into two weekends now. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of two of the back-to-back weekends. Right. We're going down second week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, But uh, it is a truly a remarkable uh, event. Uh, so honored that I get to be a part of it. Oh, man. Uh, How long have you been doing it? Yeah. Uh, probably about five years now. Wow, that's fantastic. I've been playing the... the, the I've been playing the Florabama for a little longer than that, but the Frank Brown for about five Florabama years. Florabama is the coolest place. Talk about that just for a second. Um, it's 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 pretty cool, isn't it? It is. It's a it's 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 a one of a kind thing. There's nothing else like it anywhere uh-huh. in the world. And uh, you know, it's it's listed as one of the top ten uh, beach bars in the world. In the world, mm-hmm. yeah. But there's nothing like it. There's a, there's five stages. <laughs> they book over sixteen hundred musical acts a year. Can you imagine? 1600 gosh that's crazy that is crazy <laughs> but um uh i just 
And isn't it part of it in Alabama and part of it's in Florida? That's why it's Florida Bama, right? It sure is. Yeah. 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 So like you can be you can be playing in Florida, take a few steps and you're playing in Well, there's a joke. If you get in trouble and you come out the door and the cops chasing you, if you just take a left, hard left, you'll be in Alabama and they can't mess with you. Or if they're Alabama cops, you take a right and you just get there and wave back at them, they can't touch you, you know. <laughs> That's funny. Now, I've never experienced that. <laughs> no, of course not. Not you. Christian boy like no. There's no way. <laughs> but you know, the Florida not only is it one of a kind, but you, but it's a family. Um, yeah. You know, Davis Nix was the uh, talent by there for so long. He just stepped out of that role, but, you know, people that replaced him are just, uh, were friends too. Or, you mm. know, Kurt, all the sound guys, the bar wow. staff. Mm. We play there so much that, that they become family. But they're also responsible for keeping some of us musicians uh, during COVID uh, with something to eat and, 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 you know, a little bit of money in our pocket. They take uh, care of you, huh? They had so many people, even A-list artists was calling the Florida during the COVID saying, hey, can we come down and play an acoustic show? Wow. Um, but, you know, they've always done a good job of taking care of the local family people. And uh, it's just a great spot. It's hard to explain. I cannot that. wait. But every night, it's a, it's a great time. That Each stage is different. My Personally, my favorite stage is the main stage. It's a, that's the writer stage. That's, mm-hmm. that's the indoor stage where where people are more, you know, prone to sit and listen to your song. And then... You get the dome stage, which is two levels. Uh, two levels, wow! And usually that's full bands, cover bands, and that's a big party. That's where they got the bras hanging on the. <laughs> you know, that's where everybody gets them gets a little crazy. Really crazy, huh? Then you got the beach bar, and you got the tent stage, and it's, it's just, it's just a, a great time. But you know, the Frank Brown, um, is, is held there. It's the headquarters, but but now the Frank Brown's so big, it it extends. You know, mm-hmm. I don't tell you how many miles from one end to the other of businesses that Frank Brown. But, it's uh, the Frank Brown Music Festival mm-hmm. uh, there in Gulf Shores, and you should Google it and, and read about it. It, it really is the. I, in fact, I was told by Mark Allen Barnett that who's been playing there for years. He said if you could go to any one songwriter festival, that that should be the one. That's what he would. That's what he would tell me. There's so. a documentary about it. Is there? Now I haven't seen this. It's called Story. Uh, it's called Stories and Rhymes. Oh, I'm writing this down. Stories and rhymes. Stories and rhymes. Uh, uh, a complete history of the Frank Brown Sunrise Festival and Joe Gilchrist, who started it, just passed away just a few months ago. Yes, I heard about that. So sad. So we're having a benefit, we're going to have another benefit for him here, and we're going to have a big tribute to him at the Frank Brown this year. But uh, about here's a good story for you about I think the Frank Brown's in his forty second year, maybe forty. Wow, 30, wow, it's, it's up there. Wow, uh, I might be off a few years, but a film crew come in uh, the third or fourth maybe year that that, that Frank Brown was going and Sonny Throckmorton and Mo oh. Roberts and all these guys were, Great writers. were the writers there mm. and the, this this documentary goes into it but they started filming a documentary about it 30 something years ago wow well they ran out of money and all that footage that they they, they got for that year or two got put up and a, a fella uh, his name just escaped me I'm sorry it happens but he was Squirrel like, train. yeah right <laughs> But he was able to get access to all that footage about four years ago, four, about four years ago now. Mm. And they come up with this new thing where they went back three years ago and documented that Frank Brown, the oh. one right before the COVID hit. Oh, so it was the last full. And they took that footage and, and the new footage and they put it together. Me and my brother was fortunate to be a part of it. We're, wow. we're, we're in that documentary. Definitely got to see it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eric Erdman, you know, yeah. he's in it. Uh, Wow, but it's a great, great story about Joe and how the Frank Brown started, and and it, it shows you. 
I mean, it, it's a it, it's a complete history of, of what the Frank Brown is and what it means, and it, it, it was really cool. And it, it's, it's at the Florida Brown, so you get to see all that too. Second and third week of November, folks. Uh, Google it, find out more. It's uh, that's a cool story. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yep, pretty neat. I did my first. Um, well, we used to, we used to have a, a songwriter festival in Cincinnati. It was called Taste of Claremont, I want to say. And we used to bring a lot of Nashville songwriters up. And it was it was really a, a cool event. We did like three years or so. But um, I did my first festival since then, uh, just a couple of weeks back, at uh, Gatlinburg, the Gatlinburg Songwriter Fest. I saw your pictures. That had to be awesome. Which used to be called the Smoky Mountain Fest. Um, so, And it was the first time they've, they've done it since COVID and since the passing of uh, the founder. And, and um, So it was my first time in... Uh, it was so much fun that I don't ever plan to ever, ever miss it again. Um, so yeah, if you go to my Facebook page, you can see some of the pictures. Just I did some photo dumps. and um, So yeah, it's fun. So you're at a beautiful location. A beautiful location. You're around beautiful people that play and write music. Just yeah. Like, so it, and after the, you want? after the show, so everybody would gather. On, there's a big front porch of the Gatlinburg Inn. And people would just start bringing their instruments. You'd have like Will Nance, uh, who's going to be on this show eventually. Um, playing fiddle, um, and Robin Ruddy, who we talked about, bringing her dobro. Um, we had a stand-up bass player, and we had about fourteen million guitars, and we're just playing every song we can think of. You know, Hank, uh, Merle, you know, gospel, you know, singing Southern gospel, and it just, you know what? Those jams would go on like two, two thirty in the morning. It was crazy. It was so, it was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah, yeah. For an old man like me, that's a. So I can't deal but one, maybe one of those 2.30 in the morning. It would take me three days to recover. And the night I didn't was Saturday, and that was the night Larry Gatlin's band showed up. Oh, and wow. they played until about 2.30, jamming on the porch. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Well, yeah. And these writers' festivals, they seem like there's a lot more now than, yeah. than what they used to be. But, man, they're also fun. They I'm, awesome. I'm happy to see people take pre- appreciation for that. Yeah. For the song. Yeah. Yeah. Because so many, so many times, you know, Obviously, it's it's well known that the songwriter don't get any recognition for any hits, but yeah. but this gives people a chance. And, and somebody once said, when you hear a songwriter sing when a, a hit song that somebody else made a hit song, it's almost like you're listening to that song for the first time again. It is. And I've often said on this show, and we'll say it again, that's my favorite thing about Nashville Writers Rounds, about doing this show, getting to see the songwriter mm-hmm. do their own interpretation of that song. You know, to me, that's just that's just so special. I'll take that over the recorded version every time. Yeah, you know, yeah. My favorite person to do that to see do that is uh, Dean Dillon. Oh, to hear him on that stage telling stories about all the, his number one hits that George Strait and everybody else had. It's it's Tennessee whiskey. Yeah. You know, there's a great movie on him too right now. That's yeah. streaming that you, sure you need to watch. In yeah. fact, I think it's called the Dean Dillon story. Tennessee whiskey, the Dean Dillon story. Yeah, I think it's called. It's I've great. seen it. Yeah, I've yeah. Seen it. isn't that fantastic? It's so good. Yeah, it really. But is. He, he does a Frank Brown every year. Does he? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I'll, hopefully, I get to see him. Yep, the tickets yeah. sell out fast. That's a ticketed event, but it'll, it'll. There's a few ticketed events during the Frank Brown. That's one of them. That's uh, one of them. Yeah. So, uh, dude is in the Country Music Hall of Fame. I'm telling you, he's the best. He's, yeah. He is the best. All those big George Strait songs. Yeah, yeah. pretty cool. Well, let's. Why don't you play another song? Yeah, sure. Um, at that songwriter fest, this is this is funny. This. Um, <clears throat> This is an interesting story, the story of this song. When I lived in Cincinnati, we were, we were driving back and forth a lot. You know, I'd come down and write. Um, 
and then we would you know drive back and i always said that when we go through louisville one day i want to stop at the louisville slugger museum because i'm a huge baseball fan so like when i was a kid before i got my first guitar i was going to be a professional baseball player right okay and uh but you know of course that didn't happen but anyway um so we visited <laughs> Louisville Slugger Museum, and I had such a wonderful time watching them make the bats on the lathe. You know, they can make a bat in like 30 seconds. Um, and then they had bats, you know, and you get pictures taken. I, I had a picture taken holding Mickey Mantle's bat. It was like, yeah, you know. So it was so much fun. And we came back to Cincinnati, and we used to do these writers, pole, guitar poles and stuff. Really good, uh, serious a group of songwriters in the Nashville Songwriter Association chapter in Cincinnati and Dayton. And we'd meet at my buddy Greg's house and, and we'd just swap songs. And so I was talking that night. I said, we just got back from Louisville Slugger Museum. We had such a great time. I want to write a story about a bat, a boy and his bat. Okay. And um, we wrote this song from the point of view of the bat. And, uh, you know, we got it critiqued and we did a demo on it. And I remember a publisher going, What's a lathe? Yeah. <laughs> That's how they make the bat. It's a tool. Yeah. And, and so would that stop you from not getting the song? Anyway, <laughs> sometimes I think they just look for excuses, right? right. So um, so there was four of us on this song when we started writing. It was Tim Skeen, uh, Greg Altamer, my brother from another mother, uh, myself and a guy named Al Thekos. And so we wrote that first version of the song. And then Tim and I got together and we rewrote it to be more of like a story of a, a boy and his bat. Uh, and so I call it my baseball song. Okay. So when I was, uh, can you hear, does that, can you hear that? Um, yeah. So, um, we were at the, uh, Gallenberg songwriter festival. The first night that you're there, they put you into a room with a hit writer and you do like a guitar pull. Right. And in, in my room was Danny Wells, who's going to be on this show. Um, who's had a lot of big hits, Rascal Flats and stuff. And he wrote Check Yes or No for, for nice. George Strait. And also uh, was Brian White, who's had a lot of big hits. And his lovely wife, Karen. And um, so um, it turned out we only had time for one song because then Brian played a song and Karen played a song, which was great. It was good to hear their stuff. And finally, it comes down to me here, Dave. And I go, what do I play? I go, well, I'm going to play my baseball song. Because one of them had a baseball hat cap on, and I can't remember who they were. So I played this, and then uh, it was a full room, and everywhere I went at the festival, I had to play that. (laughs) So it was a lot of validation for this song. So I decided to cut it on my new record, and it's going to be out. And this is called Louisville Slugger. Well, it's hanging down in Miller Sporting Goods. 30 inches of solid wood They turned down on a lead There's that word It was signed by Willie Mays It was like no other And it found its way to me Underneath my Christmas tree I was eight years old And I begged Santa Claus and my mother I had a dream and it seemed so real Bottom of the ninth in Wrigley Field Staring down a three and two count Bases loaded Well I knock it out With my Louisville slugger 
and I took it everywhere I went. Some nights even slept with it. My daddy used to laugh. His sword was attached to my shoulder. He used to let me stay up late And me and him would watch that game Like buddies sitting in the stands Oh, and in my hands Was that Louisville slugger I had this dream that it seemed so real Bottom of the ninth at Wrigley Field Staring down a three and two count Bases loaded and I knock it out with my Louisville slugger. Well, the big leagues, they never called. Now hangs my son's ball and on the end of it. That's my old Mark Rawlings myth. Yeah, sometimes I wonder. But the dream still seems real. It's the bottom of the ninth that Wrigley Field And he's staring down a three and two count Bases loaded And I watch him knock it out With my Louisville slugger It's hanging down at Miller's Sporting Goods 30 inches of solid wood They turned down on a lead then they burned in the name Louisville Slugger. Goodness gracious. Well, no wonder everybody wanted you to play that song everywhere you went. I mean, that takes you back. I could smell it. I could smell the smell of a of a baseball game. I mean, gosh, you're right there with it. That's so, so good. Means a lot come from you. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. You know, it's so funny. We were doing uh, the first work tape on that. I have to tell you this story. First work tape we did was at my house, and Tim Skeen, who one of the co-writers, uh, was doing the work tape. And at the very end, when he got done, Louisville Slugger, he goes, or something like that. And we started laughing. <laughs> and from there on in, every work tape I've ever done ends with, or something like that. <laughs> and a lot of my co-writers know that, and they're starting to do the same thing, or something like that. So um, when Ren Renfrey, the producer of my new record, says, what do you want to call this record? I said, or something like that. <laughs> so that's the name of my new CD out this fall sometime. <laughs> that's a perfect, perfect way to deconstruct that song. Uh, no, it was really good. You know, I'm also excited about one. Uh, I, I'm not going to say the name of it, but the one that you was playing earlier. You and Miss Andrea Goodman, a, a oh, mutual yeah. friend of ours. Y'all got a Love good her. one going. I can't wait for y'all to finish that or, yeah. or, or, or whatever y'all doing with it. It's going to be a great song. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Love her. She's great. What do you got? Uh, when you, what you got coming up as far as like your rights? Yeah, I know you got a big show tonight. 
Uh-huh. Now, by the time this airs, of course, we'll be past this we'll, night. But. Yeah, we'll be past. But I like to play a lot of the writers' rounds, and I keep pretty busy on that. I love um, the Cambria and Randy's Revival over there, and I love Debbie Champion Writers' Nights at the Cam- Commodore and the weekend version with Jimmy and Annalisa. They do a wonderful job. Maxwell House is open again. Uh, Millennium Maxwell House. Lee Rasconet, who's been, again, in this town, discovered so much great talent. Mm-hmm. There's a guy that's hosted writers' rounds in here forever. And, uh, you look bad, man. Yeah, you look bad. You know you're doing well when when you do a song and, and he picks up the mic and goes, man, you look bad. Yeah. You look bad, bro. That's his yeah. way of telling you, good job. You know, I say, get a haircut. We get a haircut. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. So that's I like that. That's his phrase. Yeah. And um, this past year, I got to play the Bluebird for the first time. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it, well, uh, I'd see it the first time. It's actually it was the fourth time, but the first time uh, with my friend um, Billy Lee in the round. And now they tell me I could, they're going to let me put together a round, which I, wow. I might be like when, that's whenever. You know, it, there's a long list. And I said, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if it's you know, 2025. I'm on the list. Yay! <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I did get to play for the, at, for the first time at the Listening Room, which is... Um, and you've played there a lot, right? The, the list, that, No, actually, no? I have not. I've, no? I've, I've just recently played it for my first time, but I've played it a couple times since. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, re- you know, like I say, just this year I played it. Yeah, a lot of times when you come to town, the Bluebird sells out so fast because it's small. But, you know, and I always tell folks, well, if you can't get into the Bluebird, try to get into the listening room because you're going to find great writers there. Oh, man. You never know. I've never had a bad experience at the listening room. Me neither. Yeah. Yeah. As an audience member or or on stage, it's always been amazing. I love playing there. I really do. The last round I was there, I was with Josiah Siska. Yeah, I just saw his new song. He's he's, uh, his new video. Uh, I was watching that today. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, two tequila floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was with another young artist named Lexi Lou, who's awesome. Uh, you know, for the people listening to my show, um, you know, right, that writes with me, I want to introduce all my folks to you because oh, I, because I, I know that. you do so good for everybody. And, uh, you know, some of my, some of my colleagues that I write with, you know, I think they'd, they'd do really well for you. So I want, I want I would to make love a that. point to do that. Well, hook me up. We'll yep. get them on the podcast. Sure will. And thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast. Um, I love what you do too, man. I'll tell you, not only are you just a, a great writer, but you're an amazing performer. Uh, your podcast is great. And you're just an all-around wonderful guy, man. It's so good to know you and get to meet you. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. That comes from my mama. Yeah, your mama. Yep. In a good way when I say yo mama. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Nothing bad intended. Well, so. You know, for our first crossover show, maybe we'll get to this again in the future. Uh, I think this is a cool idea. I think it's been great. That was your idea. I give you credit for that. Uh, well, it's been a lot of fun. It has been a lot of fun. <laughs> it has been a lot of fun. I, uh, I've i never, like I said, never wanted this to ever be about me, but it was kind of cool being interviewed. It um, doesn't happen very often, and I appreciate you. I really Sounds do. is great, yeah. so I, I appreciate you. So uh, we want to call it a wrap. <laughs> well, we could we could always come back and do another episode later. Let's do it, <laughs> and we'll see where we are at that point. See how some of our songs have turned out. That would be a cool show. Yeah, absolutely. Chad Wilson, my guest, and Dave Manahan's my guest. Thank you for joining us on Songwriter Connection, the Deconstructed Sessions. That's right. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also listen to Dave Lanahan's Nashville Connections radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection.